Galatians chapter number four. And we began this journey back in January and just been kind of going verse by verse, line by line, just seeing what God says about who we are in him and basically what is the church? What is the purpose of the church? Why, why do we gather together? How does all of this work out uh, in our lives as believers? And uh, we've been kind of covering a little bit about um, uh, some description about the church in the fact that the reason why God has given spiritual gifts uh, to believers, and it is mainly for the perfecting of the saints, for this idea that we are edifying the body of Christ together. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, there is no lone professional in the church. Um, the idea of, you know, we're going to hire somebody to do everything, uh, that is not the way God describes the church and how the church is supposed to operate. We are all supposed to be uh, working together and how God is supposed to use all of that. So we're going to look here this morning, uh, Ephesians chapter number 4. And we're going to be primarily focusing here on uh, verses 14 through 16. And Paul is going to give us a good description of what a healthy church is supposed to look like. Um, what should be a good sign that you are in good health? I mean, if, 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 if I were to ask you, what is a good sign that you're in good health? Uh, Marlene said, her, her mom said, well, I'm breathing. Man, that's probably a good sign, yes. Um, I remember growing up, you used to play Operation. Did anybody play that game, Operation? You know, you got the little tweezers and the things, and you go person by person, you're trying to pull those things out. And if you touch the metal, what happens? Yeah, okay, you're, you gotta give the turn to the next person, right? Um, when you go to the doctor, uh, usually if there's a problem, uh, they're going to check some vital signs to make sure that you're doing good health-wise. Some of the things that they check for, are, uh, they might check your heart, uh, heart uh, pressure, your blood pressure. They might check uh, your breathing. They might check your pulse, all those things. They want to make sure that there's some vital signs there uh, that can rule out some other things. And when we look at the word of God, God gives some vital signs. He gives us some idea of what a healthy church is supposed to look like. Um, and as Paul's been given this description here about what the church is and how uh, we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing and growing how we're supposed to be growing, I believe that in turn uh, gives some healthy signs uh, that the church is, is growing and that it's healthy. Um, I believe every believer, as, uh, as we are equipped, as, uh, as the leaders equip you to use your spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ, I believe that when, we ha when that happens, um, we can see the, 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 the growth of the church and we can see how it's, how it's growing in its spirituality together. Um, not just like, well, we're going to do our own thing over here and we're going to do our own thing over here, but it's growing together is what is important. Um, so we need to find out what these vital signs are and to determine if the church is really growing in the way that it should be growing. Um, I believe that the church should measure up to a certain um, standards of spiritual health. You know, you need to know these standards so you can help the church grow. 
And I believe that if you ever move somewhere else, you need to look for a church not based upon what it offers, not based upon how it may dazzle you, but you need to find a church that has vital signs of health in the fact that it's growing, healthy, according to God's words has to say. Or you, maybe you can help somebody else. Uh, maybe somebody else that you know might be uh, moving to an area, and you might say, well, I know of a good church there because it, they are growing in this sense that they are a healthy church. And they can see vital signs of a healthy church. So let's take a look here uh, what these vital signs should be. And really, this, this, this whole portion of Scripture from verses 11 through 16 is basically like one continual thought uh, it's like one long sentence, and undergirding that whole sentence there is the teaching of the Word of God. If you are coming to a group of believers to be entertained, you can do that at Dollywood. I mean, go someplace else, okay? Um, when we come together, the coming together is so that we are equipped. There's a teaching of the Word of God to equip us so that we might be able to do uh, the actual work of the ministry. So let's look at what these uh, vital signs are for a healthy body. Uh, number one, discernment in doctrine. If we are going to have a healthy body of believers, a healthy church, uh, one of the things that you ought to look for is discernment in doctrine. Look what Paul says here in verse number 14. He's talking about this equipping that's going on. The church is growing in maturity. And he says, because of that, so that, why? We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You know, it amazes me how illiterate the church really is in matters of doctrine. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Meaning the fact that American Christians are not concerned about doctrine. Doctrine is so vitally important to the church. Because it is that doctrine which we form our faith on. Remember what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 there? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, all those things. He says the doctrine of the church is very, very important. Unfortunately, I believe there are many believers that are carried about by different winds of doctrine. They're usually propagated sometimes either in our culture or they're propagated sometimes terribly even within the church itself. One such popular view that is, that is facing the church today that's even in our culture is what we would call postmodernism. Postmodernism basically is the fact that there is no absolute truth. You can't really know if, if what you're saying is true. There's no absolute truth. So if you want to believe 2 plus 2 is 5, that's fine. Because you can't really say that 2 plus 2 is 4. And if you say 2 plus 2 is 4, well, you're being arrogant. You're being mean. But the reality is, is we can know truth. What is truth? Jesus said that his word is truth. And we have the very truth of God's word here. And we can rely upon it. We can trust in it. 
because it comes from God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for, correct, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. So we have God's word on it. We have truth. And so Paul says here, for a healthy church, there needs to be discernment in doctrine. I believe that there are many Christian churches that are abounding in the world today that have bought into this, this, this view of postmodernism. They say things like, God is all-inclusive. Meaning the fact that even though Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, other than saying that Jesus is the only way, they say things like, well, Jesus is one of many ways, or Jesus is just a roadmap. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus taught. That's not what the apostles taught. And so there is this doctrine that has crept into the church, and you need to be aware of it. And so he says that we be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There are some churches or pastors that say things that really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you love Jesus. Well, that sounds nice, but that's not what the Bible teaches. They might say things that, uh, that try to uh, make the gospel not as offensive they try to water down the gospel. Well, God's word clearly teaches us, plainly teaches us that you are a sinner. And as a sinner, you are under the wrath of God. And you need Christ to make a spiritual transformation to take you from dead to living. You can't water that down. So we don't need to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine is what Paul says. I believe that there are churches that have become entertainment centers or they come, become a place to dazzle the crowds or to make them feel all warm and fuzzy. That's not the purpose of a church. The purpose of the church is to preach doctrine. The purpose of the church is so that we might grow as a healthy body of believers. The entire Bible, especially the New Testament, is filled with warnings about false teachers and exhortations to believe the truth as revealed by God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are horrible wolves. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 through 26, Jesus warns us that in the last days there will be many false Christs and false prophets that will, that will deceive many, even the elect, if it were possible. The apostle Paul warned of false prophets who are disguised as angels of light and servants of righteousness in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. He warned the Galatian believers in Galatians 1, 8 through 9, that if men distorted the gospel of Christ, that they should be accursed. He warned the Colossians in chapter uh, 2, verse number 8, of those who were trying to take them captive through philosophy and empty deception. He warned the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 13, that in the end times there would be a major apostasy that will deceive many. 
And in his final three letters to Timothy and Titus, there are frequent exhortations to preach sound doctrine along with warnings about those who have turned to false doctrine. And in his final meeting, he warns the elders that were at the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30. He says, watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd, to pastor the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. And he says, I know that I am, when I am gone, that there will be fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own group, men will arise teaching perversions of the truth to draw the disciples away after them. That is a reality that happens. I mean, this wasn't just something that happened a long, long time ago. And we're like, okay, we got all our doctrine straightened out. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And so one of the things that you need to look for in a healthy church is, are they preaching sound doctrine? Is there discernment in their doctrine? Does it really matter if we believe that God created a 24-hour Seven day, if he created everything in 24 hours a day, literal creation, or if it's billions and billions of years? Yeah, it does matter. It certainly does matter. Does it matter if really, if we say, well, uh, you know, there were actually other people before Adam and Eve were created? Yeah, it does matter. You see, we have to be correct on our doctrine. And there is a lot of philosophy, a lot of strange doctrines that sometimes pop up. And you cannot be swept away by those. You have to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The epistles of John, 2 Peter, and Jude, and Revelation all have strong warnings against the dangers of false teachers. In our text here in uh, uh, Ephesians 4.14, Paul says that we are no longer to be children. Other translations read infants. We are no longer to be children, but we need to grow in maturity. Look at verse number 13 is what Paul says. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And in verse 15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so we're not supposed to be tossed, carried about like a wind, uh, like a wave. I believe this. Oh, now I believe that. Oh, wait, now I believe this. Whoa, now I believe this. We're supposed to stand strong. And Paul says one of the things that uh, mark of a healthy church is discernment in doctrine. These waves here and these winds of false teaching are very powerful currents. And they're worldly philosophy that I believe Satan brings to, into the church to undermine the very teaching of the word of God. And these false ideas vary from generation to generation. That's why, that's why I believe it's so important. I believe that as believers, you will encounter and hear things. You will hear things. You, when you watch something on, on TV or you watch a movie, you know what it's doing? It's teaching you things. It's teaching you doctrine. There is an undercurrent there that is teaching you things. And so you have to be very careful that you measure everything by the word of God. 
You say, well, Mike, well, are you susceptible to false doctrine? Absolutely. That's why whatever Mike says or whatever an elder says, whatever, you measure it by the word of God. You say, is that really what God says? Is that really what the Lord says about this? And so there needs to be discernment in the doctrine. Notice that word there. He says, so that we may no longer be children. Why does Paul use that word children? Why a child? I believe because as children, they tend to act very impulsively. A child bases their feelings on the moment rather than thoughtfully and carefully examining the facts. Children often lack self-control. Children are easily deceived by evil people that want to take advantage of them. As a child, I remember my parents teaching me, if a, if a person ever comes up to you and they say, hey, do you want to come in my van? I got candy. What are you supposed to do? Run away! Ah! And I think there are many times that there are false doctrines that come to us and they allure us. And you're going, boy, that sounds pretty good. And instead of checking it with the facts and running away, sometimes we are deceived by that. So it's very important that there is discernment in our doctrine, that we know exactly what God's word has to say. Notice what he says here also. He says, we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. This craftiness and deceitful schemes, this trickery that they use, Craftiness is used of Satan when he, when he used that in, uh, when he went to go deceive Eve. Remember in Genesis? In 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, it says, But I am afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his treachery, your minds may be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So deceitful scheming indicates that there's a deliberate plan of attack. And he says that we need to be discerning in our doctrine so that we wouldn't be deceived from the simplicity that is found basically in Jesus Christ. And because of a lack of doctrinal discernment, I think people are duped. They're tricked. They're schemed into believing all kinds of false doctrine. So Paul says, grow from childhood to maturity so that you don't get taken in by the spiritual charlatans. Did you ever see one of those guys, the traveling medicine show? What I have here today, I have some snake oil. And if you take a little bit of this snake oil and you rub it on your forehead, it's going to cure you of every ailment. Now, sure, we'd see that and we'd be like, boy, that person's a charlatan. That person's a schemer. But the Bible tells us that Satan presents himself as an angel of light. And he can deceive. That's why we have to know what God's word has to stay. Study your Bible. Read your Bible. Get grounded in the word of God so that you might have discernment 
in matters of doctrine. So a healthy body is a discerning, it's discerning in its doctrine. Let's look at a second thing here. What's another thing about a healthy body? Number two, it speaks truth in love. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, Paul's later on is going to develop this thought later on in Ephesians 4, later on down in the chapter about our speech. But a healthy body will speak truth. I believe that Paul here is emphasizing the need to hold to and proclaim the truth of the gospel. If we are living our life and people are not speaking truth to you, I'm not talking about necessarily just being honest, okay? There is a matter of that is what Paul deals with about speaking truth later on in Ephesians 4. But when we're talking in matters of doctrine, okay, uh, I kind of familiarized myself with the church here just a few days ago, uh, about a couple weeks ago. But this certain church, even though they use truth, the truth is very watered down. And instead of saying, you're a sinner, you need Christ, they might say things like, well, you know, everybody understands that, you know, you just have to pray. And you just kind of, I guess, kind of fall into Christianity. I don't know. It's kind of bizarre. But when we talk about speaking the truth, a healthy body is going to speak truth. It's going to speak truth on all matters of the gospel. Remember, the gospel is not just for salvation. The gospel is our life. A life transformation constantly that we are being resurrected from the dead to new life in Christ. Not living the old way we used to live, but living in Christ. And so when we talk about speaking truth, this would be like, let's just say, I'm having a relationship here with with Jeffrey, and we're driving around. And Jeffrey's been helping me with something. And I would ask Jeffrey, I'd, say, I'd ask him a question, and I'd say, Jeffrey, how is this going on in your life? And he may tell me or something. And then, because of my relationship with Jeffrey, I could say something that might be a little difficult for Jeffrey to hear, but I'm speaking truth, and I could say, Jeffrey, I've been noticing that this in your life, and it's not helping you grow in Christ. That's speaking truth. That's helping people grow. That's a vital sign of a healthy body is when we see things that are airing in people's lives that we would help them grow in Christ by speaking the truth. Not just saying, oh, you're fine, it's okay. No, it's not okay. You're headed down to destruction. You need truth. And so Paul says one of the things here is speaking the truth. And so there needs to be truth within the body of Christ. This means that we should be able to hold people accountable to false doctrine that might be creeping in their life because we have truth. 
A healthy body must hold to, proclaim, and practice the truth of the gospel. Speaking truth means that you do it, and because you're doing it, you're doing it because you love that person, because you are willing to tell them the truth. When we say things like repent and believe the gospel, or without Christ you are under the judgment of God's wrath, or Christ is the only way of salvation. It is perfectly loving and acceptable to tell people the truth because you care about them. It, however, it is not loving to tolerate or promote heresy or sinful lives of believers. Spiritual air on the essentials of the gospel is both evil and cruel because it results in eternal ruin for those that are deceived by it. When you have somebody like Joel Olstein who is on Larry King and they ask him point blankedly, they say, uh, is a Muslim who does not receive Christ as their Savior going to go to heaven? And he says, well, I can't judge, Larry. I can't judge. That's harmful, very harmful to the body of Christ because you need truth. You have to have truth. And it's not wrong to speak truth or tell people the truth. But then look at this. A healthy body not only just speaks the truth, but they speak it with love. You see, biblical love is always seeking the highest good of the person. We should be patient and kind and sensitive in how we talk with others. We should show compassion to those who are lost and alienated from Christ. And our heart's motive should always be to win people to Christ and to build them in the faith. You see, love does not take selfish advantage of others. 1 Corinthians tells us that love is patient, love is kind. Love is not boastful, it's not rude or proud or arrogant. Love is to be the very atmosphere that permeates the church as we grow in Christ, as what Paul says in verse 16, rather from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In fact, the word in love occurs six times throughout the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, 4, verse chapter 3, verse 17, chapter 4, verse number 2, and verse 15, and then also in chapter 5, verse number 2. You see, I believe that many times Jesus confronted the religious leaders of the day, and he held them to a standard of truth. But because of the way that they were, he dealt very harshly with them. He said things like blind guides and fools and whitewashed tombs. You see, love is not always described by warm and fuzzy feelings. Love is speaking truth many times. How many of you men in here are married? Does your wife ever speak truth to you? Does it make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? <laughs> Sometimes it's very hard to hear. But the reason why they say it is because they love you, because they care about you, because they want to help you grow. You see, truth without love can be harsh, but love without truth becomes a breeding ground for loose doctrine and air. And it's not genuine love. Because spiritual air always destroys.
So a healthy church speaks truth. There needs to be discernment in doctrine. Look at this. Thirdly, growing in Christ-likeness. Growing in Christ-likeness is a lifelong goal. It's always happening, always moving, always going. Look at verse number 13. Remember that word? He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This picks right back up with verse 15. He says that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. What does it mean to grow up in every way into him? I believe a healthy body should be growing up in Christ's likeness. It looks like Christ. This means bringing every area of your life under the authority of Jesus Christ, the head. When we talk about that, that means your thought life. That means your emotional life. That means how you use your body. That means all of your relationships, your business practices, your use of time, your use of money, the use of your possessions, all of it is growing up into Christ. And so as believers, it's not every believer here is out for like going to live his own life for himself. Because Christ has brought this body of believers together, that means all of us are to grow up into Christ together. That's where that ministry takes place of us helping in each one of us because as we are equipped with the word of God, then we are to help in the ministry by helping other believers. So that means the relationships that you form one with another. If your friend is telling you something about his life and you know that you can help him and you can speak truth to him and you can speak it in love and you can help him, and you help him grow in Christ's likeness, that's growing together. And so a healthy church grows in Christ's likeness. Look at the last one here. Every member is participating. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which when it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Remember verse number seven? Paul emphasized that each of us has a spiritual gift. He says, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that gift we are supposed to use in service to one another. The church is not a one-man ministry. It's not. All of us need each other. All of us need to be working together for the work of the ministry. Every part has something vital to contribute. Every part of the body has a function to perform. How important is your pinky toe on your foot? Some of you say, well, it's not important until I stub it. <laughs> then it's really important. But really, you're... Your toes are really important. Did you know if you cut off all your toes, you'll have a hard time walking? Every part of your body is important. Every part of the body of Christ is important. And even though we're different in our personalities and we're different in, in, our, uh, in our makeup and all those types of things, God has given you a spiritual gift or gifts and you are to use that to the equipping, to the work of the ministry. 
And so every single part of us is vitally important. This verse here has two practical applications. Number one, the phrase joined and held together implies that we must be close to one another in order to grow. Paul used that same phrase in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, when he said, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And so it refers to us as stones in the temple being joined together. And when you join stones together, Alex would know this since he works around a lot of masonry and stuff, uh, building walls and stuff. Alex, do you ever put a stone, if you're going to join two stones together, do you ever put a stone here and then maybe two feet down from there put the other stone and expect it to hold something? doesn't work. They have to be joined together, glued together. They're very close. They say when masons put uh, bricks together and things like that, sometimes they have to break off the rough edges so that they'll fit tightly, closely together. And is that not true in our own life? Because when we start getting close to somebody and we start moving in closer and closer and closer and closer, and we're moving closer and closer and closer, sometimes, boy, man, there's some rough edges over here. And you know what has to happen? The Lord starts chiseling away to get us a little bit closer and closer and closer. And we start becoming joined together. And so God's word tells us that every member participating together, when we're joining together, we're growing closer together. And as we're growing closer together, what ends up happening? We build ourselves up in love. Secondly, Paul's emphasis on every joint supplying and each individual part working properly shows that every Christian must be a functioning, serving member of the body. You see, if your body has a non-working part, you're somewhat incapacitated. God saved you to serve him in some capacity. And the goal of all ministry is the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's what God desires for our life. That's what God desires for this church. So that's a healthy church. Sometimes we, we, we have a checklist of things that we think what a church is supposed to look like. And if it meets that criteria, it must be a good church. But in reality, if a church is strong in its doctrine, it's preaching the truth, speaking truth in love, if that church is growing together into Christ's likeness, and if every member is participating, that's a healthy church. And by God's grace, I would love to see this congregation grow into that kind of church. Let's pray together.